I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Meet Sun Tzu, the art of war. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Always B B C closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. The show goes on. It's Wednesday night and fantasy football is on the agenda. Grab a seat and let's get down to business. It's time for the fantasy boardroom. Here's your host, Tycoon. And welcome to the Fantasy Boardroom. As always, I am your host, your fantasy CEO, Tycoon. Unfortunately, we did not hold the meeting last week. We could not let that happen again. We may be a little bit late this evening, but the show must go on. The show simply must go on. No excuses, no reasons to not be here. I mean, besides, it's an exciting week. It's Halloween week. Bimageddon is over. Maybe the worst is over in terms of our roster management, thanks to the just insane amount of injuries and just rash of buys that we happened to face this past week. And we already have our first comment, Dem Boys, saying, what up? What up, Dem Boys? Welcome, welcome. Glad to see you here. Actually, yeah, uh, unfortunately, because it's so late, kind of dueling up against uh, my boys over at Get Right, maybe they're not quite left. Uh, quite live yet over there at get right yeah anthony here also from get right tycoon so we'll have a a little bit of time before they go live as soon as my show is over pop on over to get right fantasy network on youtube um so tonight we're not gonna follow the typical format you know going through our various segments uh what we are gonna do is well we're just gonna kind of take a look up to the week ahead Project a little bit further out, tie in some of our typical you know things of discussion. We'll talk about our employee of the week, whose stock is rising, whose stock is falling, who's getting promoted, demoted, etc. But we're going to f- go through that in a little bit of a different format by just kind of taking a look at the matchups because, well, it's really grind time and it, it's really time to be focused on the moment, the immediacy ahead than it is to continually look back. We're going to do that in the process. You have to understand what's going on to make better decisions for the future, but that's still the way we have to go. Ah, Anthony was off. Ah, Dustin, let's join up. I will hit you up following the show. This is not going to be the longest meeting of the boardroom. Uh, Let's see what's going up on on your show. I'll have you on here in just a minute. And uh, Dan Boy's going down this week, Tycoon. So for context, I am in... Dynasty League here with them boys. It's been a challenge. It was a challenging start for me. My team's rebounding. Them boys here has one of the better teams in the league. It's going to be a real, real tight matchup that I will ultimately win this week. Uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be very good. If Baker plays, I'm feeling much better. Superflex League that I'll only be starting one QB in uh, without Baker. Thankfully, I have a deep team. But let's get into it for real. And we will start with tomorrow night's showdown between the Cardinals and the Packers. 
You no doubt have heard the news that Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard will not play due to being on the COVID list. J.J. Watt will miss tomorrow's game, and we just learned tonight, unfortunately, the rest of the season with the shoulder injury. I mean, I have no love lost for the Cardinals as 49ers fan, but I've always really liked J.J. Watt. Just feel bad for the guy. Injuries just seem to affect him more often than not, and it's a it's a bummer. Hate to see that he won't get to finish the season, and he actually was playing better than I expected him to this year, so... We'll see how it goes for that defense the rest of the way. At least they do get Chandler Jones back, the Cardinals do, but uh, bummer for J.J. But this is going to be really interesting to see what what the Packers do. Does he lean more just on other pass catchers? Does Tony get a nice bump? Do we see a nice bump for Randall Cobb? Or does it really become the Aaron Jones show? I mean, I tend to think it's going to be a bit of a mix. I'm not sure that Tony and Cobb can really carried that much volume so i do think we're going to see a lot of aaron jones and i think we're actually going to see a lot of aj Dillon. i think the way to attack the cardinals largely is on the ground anyway uh, they do give up significant rushing yardage so i think that's keep an eye out for that running attack this you know tomorrow night especially with jj out now and on the cardinal side of the ball well the packers are still missing jair's jair alexander so there's going to be plenty of opportunity for Kyler to attack with Hopkins, Kirk, Green, Rondale, Chase Edmund will, of course, be in the mix. Connor with a short yardage and goal line work. This, this is going to be real interesting. We'll see if the Cardinals' uh, undefeated streak comes to an end. Their perfect season is over, and I do think it will be. I, I would put my money here on Green Bay, even without Adams. They're 6-0 and without Devontae in the Matt LaFleur era. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think the Packers will find a way to get it done in reality. For fantasy, it's a little tougher. But if you need to throw Dylan in there as a flex, I think this might be a week to do it. Expect a big game from Aaron Jones, Robert Tunyon, and all your usual Cardinals will probably produce. Primetime games up until this past Monday have also pretty much been a hit. So, yeah, I I like where this game could still take us even with us missing some big names. Anthony says he's praying for an Aaron Jones monster game. Ten catches would be lovely, and I don't think that's out of the question, my friend. I do think he'll get a lot of extra usage in the short passing game specifically, and they'll use Dylan quite a bit more just in their straight rushing attack. So uh, all speculation, especially when, you know, you're missing star players like this, you know, top two receivers on the team, but that's where I think it's going to go. And that will take us into Sunday. We're not into Saturday games yet, and we're not talking college here. First on the slate is going to be Bengals-Jets. Zach Wilson is hurt. They have reacquired Joe Flacco in New York, but Matt or Mike White, I don't even know, is going to start for the Jets. So just hard pass on anything Jets anything and everything gross and use everything everyone bingles obviously joe burrow jamar chase who is apparently now the dynasty wide receiver one um i don't think he's there yet but he really isn't far off the kid is incredibly impressive i thought he was going to be a superstar and it looks like i was still too low on chase the kid is ridiculous so good the guy can take one to the house anywhere on he makes a catch 
And of course, you're still going to start T. Higgins, and you can still you're still going to start Joe Mixon. Gross, but yeah, you're going to play Joe Mixon, and even Tyler Boyd. Still, I think there will be useful flex production from him. I just don't see where the Jets are going to be able to make any sort of or provide any resistance to the Bengals. Eh, it's crazy to think. Most of my life, the Bengals have just been an absolute train wreck. Now they're looking like one of the better teams in particular, one of these better offenses in the league. They're, they're looking strong, looking real good. Now, one of my favorite matchups of the week upcoming is going to be played in Indianapolis. We have here the Tennessee Titans versus the Indianapolis Colts. Classic division matchup. These games are always a lot of fun. You get to see two of, if not the two best running backs in football face off. Derrick Henry versus Jonathan Taylor. This is an awesome matchup for me, just on a personal level. Being a huge Jonathan Taylor fan, being a huge A.J. Brown fan, and rostering both heavily in leagues everywhere, this is going to be a very important game for me. I also have a lot of Carson Wentz, actually, and a lot of Tannehill, because they were cheap. And I like cheap quarterbacks. What can I say? At least in my Superflex leagues. So there, there's a lot of intrigue here. Both teams sport very poor secondaries. So there's going to be a lot of... But their strength isn't running the ball. So what are they going to do is going to be a, a, an extreme point of curiosity on my end. I think in particular, you're going to see the Titans pass a little more than usual. I mean, not that the front seven of Indy is going to provide that much resistance to Henry, but they are using Henry in the passing game now, and I think he's going to be part of it. I think you actually might see a few more catches than typical. I think you might see four or five catches out of Henry this upcoming week. A.J. Brown's going to have a monster game. Obviously, Derrick Henry's still going to get his own production on the ground. Carson Wentz should have no issues through the air, particularly to Michael Pittman. And Jonathan Taylor is, of course, just an absolute beast of a man. Not quite the immortal that Derrick Henry appears to be, but my goodness, Jonathan Taylor is so special and is going to just run all over this Titans defense. So this is actually a game I would look to sneak some DFS plays into as well. But I really, really, really think this is going to be an entertaining, fun, and fantasy critical game here on the week eight slate following that is one game i'm much less excited about which would be the rams and texans it's once again gonna be the same story on the houston side all you really care about is brandon cooks and this week against a strong los angeles <clears throat> excuse me defense yeah i'm still pretty lukewarm Tyrod Taylor may be back, or I'm sorry, he crushed the Tyrod thing again. So Tyrod Taylor may be back, uh, and they may hold him one more week. I would. Might throw him back out there at this point. And they actually also traded Mark Ingram back to the Saints to be reunited with Peyton Kamara and company. So it's going to be the David Johnson and Philip Lindsay show there in the backfield. My money is on David Johnson to be the more productive of the group. So he gets a little bump in value if he's a guy that's kind of been clogging your roster. Eh, maybe now he'll pay off a little bit. And on the Rams side, again, same thing. Cup, Stafford, Henderson. You're still going to play Woods. I mean, he is wide receiver 19 on the year, but, you know, unfortunately, 
a little underwhelming. It's just been all about Cooper. And once again, that's likely to be the story. And actually this week, even though I'm not a big Higby guy, Houston is awful against the tight end. If it wasn't for Baltimore facing a murderer's row, skewing their stats even more towards the bottom, I would say Houston is the worst team in the league at defending tight ends, given who they faced in the level of production they have given up. I believe they're 30th right now in fantasy points allowed to tight ends. So play Higby too. Screw it. If you got a Ram, throw him out there. Van Jefferson, why not? I mean, maybe not Van, but I mean, he's been surprisingly productive. And actually, we're going to circle back because I did forget to mention one of my employees of the week, and that is Jonathan Taylor. Just once again, another stud game. I know he wasn't the monster game. I mean, it's too easy to go with Cup or somebody like that. It was just another very special performance against what is a strong run defense. The 49ers never, ever, ever give up 100-yard rushers. He made it look easy. So Jonathan Taylor is at least one of our employees of the week for week seven. Now we're going to bump back up to the Steelers versus the Browns. Steelers were on bye this week. Browns played in the Thursday night tilt. Case Keenum leading them to victory. Um, Odell Beckham, unfortunately, on the Brown side, continued to underwhelm. It just doesn't seem like it's ever going to work in Cleveland, and I've been one of the most ardent supporters of Odell is not dead, and I still don't think he is, but I'm not sure it's happening in Cleveland, and certainly doesn't seem that it's going to be happening in Cleveland this year. I mean, there are some underlying metrics just that are encouraging, so to speak, but still nothing has resulted in that. At a certain point, there just have to be results, or what is it? So, yeah, going to pass on that. Baker seems right now, you know, 50-50 if he's going to play or not. Obviously, he wants to play. If the Browns are going to let him, it's going to be a whole different story. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb still out. So Dearness Johnson, at least, you know, he showed something in, in the Thursday night tilt. He was actually rather impressive uh, to the chagrin of people like me who blew excessive fab dollars on him last year only to be burned. So I was much more conservative this year, barely got him anywhere and did not get to profit. So that's disappointing. Before we go over to the Steelers side, we are going to bring up Demboy's comment here. JT finally doing JT things the last couple games, even more than that. I want to say we're in a really nice like four-game stretch here of Jonathan Taylor. Although this is half PPR, so this is probably not the... Here we go. Where I want to reference is our full PPR scoring. I mean, his last four weeks, 20.4, 31.9, 28.8, 18. So, and even week one, 17.6. So against the Rams and the Titans, relatively minimal output. But other than that, I mean, he's 17.6 plus in five out of seven weeks. JT is special. Just <laughs> fantastic. He is my favorite running back in the league. And it's really not that close. I mean, the one guy who's kind of close. Kind of. But it's it's JT all day, every day. Just love Jonathan Taylor. Great player. Great kid. So the Steelers, on by last week. Hopefully that allows anybody with any nagging injuries to kind of, you know, get over a little bit of that. 
Big Ben getting some rest hopefully helps that dead arm get reduced at least for a week or two. You know, we know Juju's out for the year, so Deontay, Najee, they are, as they say, to the moon. They are going to continue to rise. They are going to continue to produce very well, even against a strong Cleveland defense. Um, Particularly, they have a good pass rush. Ben is going to need to get the ball out quickly, as he likes to do. As he throws very quickly to Deontay off the line, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. A lot more of the short passing game over to Najee. Harris is going to have ample opportunity through the air. Probably will remain, you know, he'll still get his volume, but relatively inefficient on the ground uh, with the poor offensive line of the Steelers versus a strong defensive line of Cleveland. So once again, I think you're you're to see the usual suspects. I don't think there's going to be any sneaky surprises here. At the Eagles at the Lions, just on a a real-life note, I think the Lions finally get their first win this week. I think this is the week it happens. I know. Crazy to predict it. If you have a survivor you know, pool that you're still alive in, you probably haven't used the Eagles, and this is not the week to use them either. Be wary. Landmine. With that said, so the Lions are at home. Jared Goff has struggled of late. Uh, while... The Lions did hang in there for a while against the Rams last week. It certainly wasn't due to Goff. They uh, kind of had to pull out, you know, all their tricks in the bag, a couple of fake punts. I believe they had the onside kick. So I love the aggressiveness, but, you know, if if they did that and still ultimately it wasn't that close in the end, you worry ultimately. But I like them a lot more at home. I do like that this team never quits. They always show... Incredible passion, work ethic, will to win, even if they're not winning. So I love what Dan Campbell is doing with this group, and I think this is the week it finally pays off against what really is not a great Eagles defense. Uh, They performed relatively well against the pass, but I think part of that is teams have also been able to run on them and have also had a lot of leads, so they've been trying to run on them rather than pass. So it's kind of funneled that way a bit. DeAndre Swift is my other employee of the week, by the way. So as we're discussing this matchup, he was the RB2 overall in week seven, uh, has put himself at RB2 overall in the season. The guy is a star, a great player on a bad team, but in a perfect situation for him fantasy-wise. As we've you know, continuously said here in the boardroom, And I will continue to say, until it is no longer true, Swift is the guy. I mean, it's all too late. His value is through the roof again. I mean, it'll, until he's on the back end of his career, you're never going to see him at that fourth round ADP like we did. What a wonderful gift we got this season. I hope you all listened. He is co-employee of the week with Jonathan Taylor. So our employee of the week this week is Taylor Swift. Haters going to hate now, the Eagles, well, not quite done with the Lions. Also, Khalif Raymond, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Uh, Khalif Raymond has had the better last couple of weeks. Amon Ra before him. So I think you'll kind of see that go back and forth on the actual wide receiver totem pole. Well, it does seem like Hawk is starting to uh, look a little bit more like he did early on in the season. I think he was nicked up there for a bit. So hopefully he's back on the road to good health and is... 
available to just be exemplary and worthy of representing TEU. So that way, folks like Greg Olson, Travis Kelsey, and the man, George Kittle, woo, are not ashamed. He's got to live up, especially to Kittle. I mean, TEU, he's just kind of stolen the look. Iowa guys, let's come on. Now, the Eagles. Start with the obvious. Jalen Hurts is a fantasy QB1. I think he'll hang on to the job all the way till the end of the year, despite what anybody says. So I think you can still continue to trust that. And he's going to continue to put up QB1 numbers every single week. I mean, he's yet, he has not failed to do that once in the game he has started and finished. QB1 every time. Top 12 every time. I believe he is QB2 overall right now. So it's a guy, honestly, stock continues to rise because he provides amazing consistency. And it's high end. You know, he's not just scraping by at 12 every week. So he's giving you the big performances as well. Trust Jalen Hurts. Miles Sanders is going to be out for a little bit. So at least a couple of weeks. Kenny Gainwell actually will have an opportunity here to produce in this game. He has shown some ability as a pass catcher at this level. That's kind of what we thought his strength was going to be coming into the league as it is, but it's nice to see that is proving true. And I think this is actually a week that Devontae Smith could turn some of his, I think, strong play into better production as well. There's... Again, little in the way of resistance in front of him when it comes to the Lions secondary. So it will be Devontae time. So I do think you're going to get some strong production from both teams, but I do think this is the week that the Lions, led by DeAndre Swift, are going to be able to just eke out that win. It'll be glorious. Uh, a game I don't really want to talk about just because... My rooting interests are not fun at the moment. The state of the 49ers is just a mess, but they do take on the Bears at Soldier Field in Chicago this Sunday morning. I guess it'll be noon in Chicago at the time, but morning for us Niners fans here out west. Jimmy G will start. Trey Lance. It doesn't sound like he's even going to be back from his injury or even available, so Sudfeld will be backing up. Uh, Justin Fields has been, well, just awful. And, I mean, as much as a lot of us want to put that on Nagy, and he certainly is a big part of it, it's not like Fields is blameless. So his play has been poor. His coaching has been worse. But it just everything that's going on in Chicago is absolutely disgusting. I can't believe they're even three and four. And I think this is going to be a real ugly game. Both these teams right now currently have better defenses than offenses. Uh, but, you know, I guess we can have some fun watching Khalil Herbert, see what he can do after maybe Jonathan Taylor exposed a little bit in our 49ers rush defense. I don't think so, but we will find out. And on the flip side... The Bears' secondary is their weak point. We'll see if Jimmy D tries to take a little bit of advantage of that. We'll see. At times, he's been reluctant. At times, he's just been ineffective at doing that. And at times, he's actually been good, despite what everybody wants to tell you, that he is just the worst quarterback to ever step on an NFL field. It's not true. 
So we'll see. But yeah, you never know exactly what you're going to get. We'll see how the weather is in Chicago, particularly the wind, how that affects him. Uh, the wind didn't seem to be his friend, nor the rain, this past Sunday night. Debo will have a good game. You can start Debo with confidence. But outside of that, I probably would not. And yeah, you can probably play Eli Mitchell too. I would play Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel. Otherwise, avoid 49ers. Thankfully, it sounds like Kittle will be back week nine. Thank all things holy. And on the bear side, uh, Herbert, I guess. And that's it. Eh. Fantasy-wise, awful game. The next game is not so awful for fantasy, though. And that is the NFC South showdown between the Carolina Panthers keep pounding and the Atlanta Falcons rise up. Eh. Again, I mean, it, it, it is a bit more important, but it's not one that's really getting my juices flowing. I'm particularly interested here on the Falcons side. Once again, I think it's going to be another matchup that Cordero Patterson produces very well in. They'll use him. His usages continue to rise week over week. His snap share, his touches, it's, it's, he's not getting all the touchdowns that he was early, but he's still scoring. And he's just killing it. And you got him for free. So keep playing that free square. Uh, we'll see how Ridley does here in this matchup. He's been a bit disappointing, but underlying metrics, again, have been very strong. I believe he has a 27% target share this year. Just the production hasn't been there. Obviously not the touchdowns either. So we'll see. But he's getting you know the opportunity. They're trying to make it happen. And ultimately, it should Kyle Pitts has had an exceptional last couple of weeks. Uh, well, take out the week six, five, but weeks five and seven were very good. Uh, last week really seems to have broken out even more so than he did in the London game. This is fantastic news. And Matt Ryan really should be able to have a strong day against the Panthers defense, which started very strong and has really crashed down back to earth these last four weeks. And on the flip side, well, yeah, the Panthers kind of crashed back down to earth in general. Started 3-0, now 3-4. and Sam Darnold seems like he's seeing ghosts again. And Christian McCaffrey is still on the shelf. Robbie Anderson is doing nothing. He's being thrown to as much as anybody in the league and producing as little as anybody in the league. It is awful. The guy is not doing anything. That said, DJ Moore is. And DJ Moore is the guy that you can... Of course, trust no problem. Automatic start. Give another week where I think Chuba Hubbard is startable. I would go ahead and deploy him against this poor Falcons defense. And that's kind of where I'd leave it. Uh, I think this actually could turn into a sneaky shootout, and you could end up with a lucky, you know, longer Robbie touchdown. I mean, they did catch the touchdown on his, what, two for 11, you know, two catches on 11 target day a couple weeks ago. (laughs) So yeah, the Panthers, not all that exciting. Maybe you played, I mean, you're probably playing Darnold in the Superflex League, given, again, injuries, buys, but not in consideration otherwise. Uh, Dem Boys saying, I need Kittle back so bad. You and me both, brother. You and me both. Real life, fantasy, Kittle's my favorite player in the NFL, period. It, football is better when George Kittle is on the field. It, it just makes Sundays infinitely more fun. This one probably won't spend much time on. Dolphins-Bills. 
I feel like I'm kind of sounding like a broken record. Uh, but the usual suspects on the Bills, you're playing Josh Allen, you're playing Stephon Diggs, you're playing Emmanuel Sanders, and it's a guessing game which running back, but I think you got to lean Moss currently. And on the Dolphins' side, they're going up against a really strong Bills defense. I honestly am not playing any Dolphin. I don't have to, except for maybe Jalen Waddle. Otherwise, forget it. I'm not I'm not playing players against that Bills defense, especially in Buffalo. Patriots and Chargers are the first game of the afternoon slate. And I think this is a spot for the Chargers to come out of there by on a high note. I know that the Patriots are probably riding a little bit of a high here. Uh, Following just an absolute beatdown of the Jets, but it was just that, a beatdown of the freaking Jets. The Chargers have an excellent defense. The Chargers will be at home as much as SoFi is home for them. And Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in particular, I think, are set up for a really, really strong game. Uh, The Patriots' biggest weakness here would be against the pass, and I think that's going to be exploited heavily. And I think Eckler is also going to have a huge day. So the big three offensive weapons, obviously, with Herbert, are going to be absolute smashes here against the Patriots, who have been poor against, well, any teams that are any good whatsoever. And on the flip side, the Patriots are going to have a rough day, I think. Uh, Mac Jones has been very impressive of late. I do think he gets stopped in his tracks by the Chargers. And you need to keep your expectations mild. I think as far as plays go from this team, Damian Harris is a guy you're still going to play. He is getting the volume, the usage, and the important situation. So play play Damian Harris, but otherwise... Uh, and I think you can play Hunter Henry too. Revenge game narrative here. Absolutely. And he's also become just a bigger part of the offense and has caught... Max eye a little bit more as of the last three weeks. But this is really going to lean the Chargers way, and those are the guys I want to absolutely be playing. Anthony says, I may have waited too long to try and get Kittle. And yes, need him back for our Niners. Absolutely. And maybe waited too long. I mean, a lot of people are still wary, like, okay, once he's back, how long? I think Kittle is one of the more doubted players, period, due to injuries. And we wouldn't have lost a freaking Indy if Kittle were there. That weather, he would have got everyone hyped up to take that one home. Even more than that, man, he would have just... Uh, our running game would have been far more effective with Kittle in there since we also did not have Trent Williams. I mean, the running game's looking good anyway. I think it would have been damn near unstoppable in that weather if we had Kittle leading the way. Damn shame. Uh, another absolutely disgusting game. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Seattle Seahawks. Still the rustless Seattle Seahawks. Uh, The Geno Seahawks are just awful to watch. Unfortunately, we've been subjected to them in back-to-back primetime games. Eh, I really don't want anything to do with it past right now. So you're playing DK, and that's about it on the Seattle side. And on the Jaguar side, you're playing James Robinson. Seattle was a sieve against (laughs) the other team's running backs. So he should absolutely have a day. Lawrence playing in Seattle, probably going to turn the ball over a couple times. So depending on how heavy your league penalizes turnovers, you may want to consider another option. But he'll have a, you know, a, a mid-range day. You could do better. You could do worse. 
Marvin Jones, I would probably still throw out there. But yeah, really Robinson. And on the Seahawks side, I'd probably play Collins as well if he's you know, in decent health. But I would not really... Yeah, otherwise just him and him and DK. I don't care how bad the Jaguars are. Just a yeah, an abomination of football. They really have to play that game. And the next game is one I'm not overly thrilled about myself either, which would be the football team and the Denver Broncos playing in Denver. Denver stinks. I don't know what else to say. I well. I don't want to turn this into any kind of segment that's here to hype up Drew Locke. That is not what I'm here to do. I mean, yeah, on Drew Locke. But I do think he provides a ceiling that Teddy just simply doesn't. Obviously, a lower floor. But this team is going nowhere. And now that Denver has gotten into the part of the schedule that involves playing actual football teams, not the Jaguars, not the Giants, not the Jets, eh, we're seeing the very blech offense that we expected out of Teddy. Uh, um, thankfully, though, Jerry Judy is slated to return here, and that is good news for the Broncos' offense as fading off against a Washington defense that is, well, significantly worse than most of us expected. They were a surprisingly good unit last year and have really regressed back hard. They are not good, really, in any phase of the defensive part of the game, which is a big reason for Washington's 2-5 and record. So, as the broken record... continues to play the usual suspects. You'll see that same timeshare we've been seeing all season long, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I know people hate it. People want Javante to take over. You just got to get over it. It's going to remain a split likely for at least another month. If you're lucky, Javante will be reminiscent of Cam Akers last year and have a you know late season surge where he kind of takes over as this becomes a lost season and they just want to see more of them and what they have there in Javante and not rely so much on Melvin Gordon. But as long as they foolishly believe that they remain in the race here, you can expect to see a steady dose of Melvin Gordon. And as long as he's continuing to be effective for them, even if Javante looks better and is better, sure, but be real, don't expect Javante to pop yet because they're going to give the reliable veteran Melvin Gordon the ball a lot. Cortland Sutton is about to crash back down a little bit, too, with uh, Jerry Judy's return. There is a lot of debate about this one. I am firmly on the Judy side. Judy's back. He is going to take over, and he is going to be the most productive receiver on that team. And on the Washington football side, Antonio Gibson's hurt. McKissick is, you know, is J.D. McKissick. He is what he is. McLaurin is a little banged up. They're still throwing Heineke out there at quarterback, although I think he's been all right. Uh, Logan Thomas is still out, so they're playing Ricky Seals-Jones in his position. It's it's rough times there in Washington. Now, as long as McLaurin plays, you're playing him. Never play him. I have only ever once suggested benching Terry McLaurin, and that was week two against the Washington but, I'm sorry, against the New York Giants in that Thursday night game, Heineke's first start. And man, he made me look like a clown. Now, I know it was against the Giants, but still. Even against the Broncos, you're playing Terry. You're just, you're playing Terry. And 
probably leave it at that. It's the only guy I'd play on Washington, Terry McLaurin. This is going to be another ugly game. Game that won't be so ugly. This game will actually be kind of fun to cap off the afternoon slate here, and that is Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Big-time NFC South rivalry. Jameis will get the opportunity to play against the Buccaneers for the first time. He'll be seeing Tom Brady occupying his old position. That will be fun. I like that it is in New Orleans. So he's got that little bit of extra comfort on his end. And we'll see, you know, how it goes. Kamara had a huge game this past week. Callaway, on Monday night, Callaway has looked much better as of late. Jameis is starting to look more and more comfortable. I mean, he's looked all right all year. And I mean, while the, the numbers have been modest at times, I don't think that Peyton has really taken the reins off him yet, really lengthened his leash. I think he's still calling things kind of conservative. He gets to take shots once in a while there, Jameis does, but I'd like to see a little bit more. And against the pass funnel defense that Tampa Bay is, I think we're going to have a great chance of seeing that. This could be a little bit of an opening up game for Jameis, especially again against his old team. This is this is going to be fun. And of course, the Buccaneers offense is just an absolute juggernaut. Antonio Brown is likely to miss a few more weeks. Who knows? It could be something that affects him till the end of the year. We heard today from Bruce Arians. Got a heel issue. It's not really just his ankle. Yeah, something down on his heel. We'll see how that affects him, but it certainly sounds like you can expect him to miss this matchup. Leonard Fournette should have probably one of his lesser performances of late just because the Saints have a strong rushing defense. I mean, they have a good defense in general, but the strength of that is against the rush. And the Buccaneers are simply looking to pass. They want to get Brady records. It's that simple. And they're going to continue to push that against the hated Saints. So with Antonio Brown out, although Gronk is returning, you can still expect big days for Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and now Gronk. Lenny will have a good day. And it'll be another high-scoring, fun game between two NFC South rivals. Get ready for this one. This could be one of the best games of the main slate. Maybe of the whole week. And then to cap off our Sunday experience, we will have the self-proclaimed America's team versus the Minnesota Vikings. Cowboys have been surprisingly good, mainly their defense. I think we all expected an explosive offensive attack, and that has come to fruition. Dak looks fantastic so far. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard are all looking tremendous. Even Dalton Schultz has, in the fantasy realm, now become an every-week-must-start tight end. You absolutely need to start him against the Vikings. You also need to start Zeke, and you need to start Lamb, and you need to start Cooper, and you need to start Dak. All of the offensive skill players really are kind of go without saying at this point. They're all pretty much auto-starts in Dallas. And on the Vikings' side... Well, again, the usual suspects. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins. Yes, you are going to play Kirk Cousins, even in prime time. Yes, you are going to play Kirk Cousins, even against the much-improved Dallas Cowboys defense and Trevon Diggs. Unfortunately, 
and this is you know for Diggs, I think the week off is going to have a negative effect on him and ruin his streak. I don't think he's going to come away with a pick here against Cousins, even though Cousins likes to throw picks. But this is going to be another high-scoring game. Cook should have a lot of success on the ground. There will have to be a lot of passing to try and play. They'll keep up here with Dallas, who I don't think is going to have a lot of trouble scoring against Minnesota either. So this will be a really fun, entertaining Sunday night game that we're going to be treated to. And the Vikings might be able to hang in there at home on this national stage game. We will see. But I, I like their chances to maybe knock Cowboys down to 5-2. and two. I don't think it's going to be any sort of blowout, that's for sure. I think this is going to be a lot of fun for a football game. I wish I could say the same about the matchup that will close out the week eight experience as a whole and that is the new york giants at the kansas city chiefs the giants are putrid the chiefs are struggling their defense is just abysmal historically bad mahomes is struggling but i don't think the chiefs are going to have a problem with the giants especially in arrowhead what can i say i mean four losses through seven games yeah not what we're used to the overall level of play, yeah, not what we're used to, but that's just how it goes. Every team has rough patches, and I think this is it for Kansas City. I certainly think that this is a great chance for them to get right and get them get a little bit of mojo back, put it that way. I think that might be part of an issue. You know, Mahomes hasn't experienced this level of adversity since he's come into the league. It's, it was instant success, getting to Super Bowls, winning a Super Bowl. And I think he starts to rebound starting this week. You know, this is kind of the the layup that he needs to get himself back on track. And I think this is probably probably the game that helps get the Chiefs back on track in general for the rest of the season. Now, will they come back in order to take the division? No, but I do think they'll at least continue to be on the path of improvement following this matchup. So start all your Chiefs without hesitation. Start Mahomes, you start Kelsey, you start Hill, you start Darrell Williams. And I'd probably just pass on the secondary Chiefs receivers just because it's that's always a roulette wheel and something I really want no part of. Just play all the core guys, you'll feel good. On the Giants side, considering how bad Kansas City's defense is and how much they're probably likely going to have to try and keep up with the Chiefs, Play them all. Daniel Jones maybe have a turnover or two. Who really cares? He'll probably produce enough to outweigh the negative points that you're taking on the chin there for any turnovers he may commit. Devontae Booker is getting the volume instead of, or in the stead of Saquon Barkley, given Barkley's ankle injury. We don't know quite what's happening with the group of receivers in New York yet, so stay tuned. Keep an eye on that over the weekend. Shepard, Galladay, Tony, we're who knows exactly what's happening with any of them, but depending on how it shakes out, who looks the healthiest, I would be more than happy to play. I'll tell you that. Now, Daniel Jones in one QB, certainly not. And Superflex, certainly. You kind of have to. And that gets us through. Um, I probably didn't do as much of a look ahead as I want, just kind of match up breakdowns, but I think this is a very interesting week that we do face ahead. And wanted to touch on the point that it's nice to be able to 
say what I kept saying this whole time, and that is that I was having like a broken record, and that you can rely on the quote-unquote usual suspects, the typical guys, the regular players, because how much of that have we really had this year? Not very much, and certainly not last week. While injuries are always going to happen, hopefully they don't stay at this high level. That's a little bit more optimism, but we got through the worst bye week that exists on the schedule. And so my hope is, not only in terms of roster management, but just for your own teams, all of you members of the boardroom, all of you that are here with me, whether it is live, whether you're listening on the pod on Thursday or Friday mornings, I hope that the worst is over. I hope that you've gotten through the toughest part of your schedules, managed any terrible injuries you had, had some luck on waivers, got through all of your awful buys because, of course, you roster Cowboys, of course, you roster Bills, of course, you roster Steelers that are producing. So (sighs) deep breaths. We're about to be on the downhill. We're halfway through the fantasy regular season, not halfway through the fantasy season, just the regular season, 7 to 14. So wherever you're at, you can get yourself into playoff position and take this thing home. There's a lot left to go, but you're probably through the worst part of it. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep an optimistic attitude. Keep strong work ethic. Jeez, I cannot talk tonight. Keep your eye on waivers. Be active in trades up until the deadline. Never stop scouting. And get your team home. Just get into the playoffs. Anything can happen. And with that, that kind of wraps up the main part of the agenda. Kind of like a couple weeks ago, I want to end on a personal note. Although nothing quite as serious in tone as previously. I just want to say, happy Halloween to everybody. Happy freaking Halloween. It is that time of year. It's black and orange season. Now... As a San Francisco Giants fan, black and orange already speaks naturally to me. My wife is a huge Halloween person, has been as long as I've known her, and we've been together for quite some time. So it's fun to get into this final stretch, this this home stretch, getting into the weekend. We do have Halloween on Sunday. Now, because my wife is such a big Halloween person, this may be some of the least amount of football I get to watch on any given Sunday this season. But hey, that's part of it. She doesn't really uh, stop me from enjoying anything the rest of the season, so I can deal with it one day. No big deal. But it's fun. Get some candy out to the kids. If you have kids, take them out trick-or-treating. Just enjoy the day. Have fun. This is supposed to be a fun holiday. Don't take it too seriously. Have some scares. Have some candy. Just have a freaking great time, guys. Just enjoy it. That's the point. It's supposed to be fun. Too many people are too serious, too tight. Just have fun. Loosen it. Have, you know, have fun. Loosen it. Hey, unbutton that top button. Don't be so stuffy. And we will close with, of course, a very important plug, and that is prize picks. You're going to start, actually, you know, not so much this week, of course, where, you know, it's time to wrap up, but I'm going to be incorporating more discussion about prize picks and actually coming to you with picks most weeks here in the boardroom. Make sure you're catching the Collective Core 4 every week. Every Sunday morning, we post that on Twitter through the Fantasy Collective Twitter account. Very important. Um, Our guys have been performing very well. Dynasty Bill, he has, I believe he is 5-2. 
Um, I've hit my last three and four of my last five in the collective core four picks. I uh, had a tremendous week in prize picks in general this past week. Uh, it's really come together more as fantasy players. Prop bets are somewhere where, you know, it's, it's already kind of our natural space. We pay very close attention to individual players, individual production, particularly in certain statistical categories. And that's where you can find soft spots on sportsbooks boards. You find lines that are a little too low. I mean, last week seeing A.J. Brown, or actually Chris Godwin, 60.5 receiving yards with Antonio Brown out. Come on, that made absolutely no sense. So we took incredible advantage of that one, posted that one. So keep an eye out, my account, Twitter account for the Fantasy Collective as well. Keep an eye out for Dynasty Bill, FF, uh, Brown Stauskas, and Real Bugsy. Those are all guys that you're going to want to be following. That is our Collective Cash crew. And we will help guide you and continue to guide you to a profitable season, particularly in the prize picks area if your state allows you to make such wagers. Uh, And with that, good luck in week eight. Have a damn happy Halloween. Be safe. And the fantasy boardroom is adjourned.